All right, let's start with Psalm 4. If you've got your Bible stuff, you can turn there. Uh, this is a very famous passage, but I want to use this as a launch to get your thinking uh, lining up with me, guys. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them and human beings that you care for them? In talking about man and God's created order, it goes on to say in that psalm, you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You've made them rulers over the works of your hands and you have put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds, and the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky, and the fish of the sea, all that swim the path of the seas. God, what is man that you should be mindful of him? The psalmist David is finding himself reflecting on man's place in the created order. Have you ever done that? Like maybe out on vacation or um, especially true in the mountains or the desert where you get a, a clear shot. Have you ever just stood at night and looked at the stars and went, wow. Wow, where, where do we fit in this, right? That's what David is doing in this psalm, is he's just looking at the vastness and going, God, what is it that you would consider us? He's marveling at God's creativity, and he's marveling at the role that he, God, has accorded man in the created order. And that question of, what is man that you are mindful of him, has echoed down through the ages in history uh, because it's always something that comes up and, and people ask. If you go to Psalm 139, we're familiar with that psalm as well. It says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know it full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. goes on to say in that psalm, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. This whole idea of being fearfully and wonderfully made is uh, really being hammered hard uh, today in our culture. And what we're being told is that there's absolutely no difference between us than anything else. And we're just a part of the blob, just like everything else is a part of the blob. And there's nothing fearful or wonderful about us at all. But Scripture teaches that man is a special creation. That actually man is the highest order of God's creation. A unique work of God within the created order. Take your Bibles again. Look with me. I'll put it up here. Um, this is in Genesis 1. Let's go back to the beginning and rehearse some things that we know but we often don't think of in this context of being dads. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our own likeness. In other words, the very blueprint for man is the image of God. He said, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then it says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. And then it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and 
over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have food, have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food and it was so. And then it says this, And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. You can read further uh, in Genesis 2 and see that uh, God made the male and then the female and then they were match set. So he had this whole created order and then the epics of that created order, the summit, the pinnacle of that was the creation of man and the creation of woman, a match set. And God looked at that creation especially with the focus in view of this created, this highest creator, created order that he made, man and woman. And he said, it is very good. And I want you guys to think about this, that point this morning and wrestle with me of it because we are made in the image of God. And God likes his creation and he calls it very good. If you think about the rhetoric in our culture today, that is not what you hear, right? The rhetoric in the culture today goes something like this. It's the very opposite of what I've just said. Man is a pariah. Uh, that is that he is the great invasive species and needs to be culled from the earth for the earth to function right. It would be far better if there weren't humans on the planet because then the world could operate right. You've probably heard that before. Uh, that man is no different nor higher than any other animals or any other life forms for that matter. Uh, we take better care of our pets in this country than we take care of people. Right? Why should man be taken care of better? Man is just like everything else and everything else should be raised up. Even flies. Take care of flies like you take care of humans. There's that line of thinking today. But I want to say, we say along with Scripture, that God likes His creation. And guys, hear this. He likes men. Right? Men are not a problem to Him. Men are not a problem for Him. He likes them. Now, it is true there's been a fall. And it is true that sin has tainted and tarnished the original image, that there is a debris field that all of us find ourselves wading through. But think of this. The restoration of that image came when God showed up in the person of Jesus Christ. Don't let it be lost on you that when God did show up, He came in the form of a man. Think of all the different things he could have done. He could have come as an angel. He could have come uh, in any kind of... He could have come as a sparrow. He could have came as a slug. He could have come in a lot of... What image did he choose to come in? When Jesus came, he came in the form of a man. The God-man walking on this planet. Don't let that be lost on you, that God can identify with that role. It's significant. Now, there's, there's so much more that could be said on that and, and could be covered, but... Uh, we won't be able to do it this morning, but suffice to say, God likes men. Right? Look on your face and you're going, really? Yes, really. God likes men. It's okay. He likes you. Right? I want you to get that point. To add to that and take it a step further, God likes men, but he loves dads. And you're going, well, how do you know that? Where are you pulling that from? 
Well, take a look with me here. You probably recognize this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yes, that's the old translation, and it's staying that way with me till I go to heaven. All right? That's how it works. Mitchell's translation. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It can't be lost on us, and the fact cannot be overlooked. You can't underline it strongly enough that when God chose as an illustration, in other words, when he was thinking about it, when he was wrestling and saying, how am I going to get them to identify with me? I've got a problem. I'm God and they're not. They're people. And I'm going to just completely overwhelm them. How do I present myself in a way that they could understand, a way that they could get it? How do I best represent myself to them? Out of all the pictures in the universe available to him, and think of what God could have come up with, out of all the pictures available to him in the universe, he chose the picture of Father. Our Father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed, holy, held in highest honor or respect, of the highest worth. In other words, God as dad. God as the ultimate dad. Now, we may have not had perfect parents, right, or perfect dads, but there isn't anyone in this room who cannot imagine the perfect father. All I'd have to do is hang microphones and say, what would the perfect father be like? And we start walking around the room, and we would get tons of similar descriptions because it's woven in us. We understand what a perfect dad would be like. We understand a perfect dad would be gracious, a perfect dad would be gentle, a perfect dad would be firm, a perfect dad would not give us everything we asked for, a perfect dad would discipline us, a perfect dad would have a heart for us, a perfect dad would love us, a, we, a perfect dad would be safe. Right? Just keep going and rolling. You could go on for a half an hour. What does a perfect dad look like? Dad as father. That's the picture God chose. Think of that for a moment. You know, it's, it's so second nature to us, especially in the Christian world, that sometimes we blow right by it. We don't even think about it anymore. It doesn't register. Of all the pictures he could have picked, he picked the picture of father, of being a dad. And I want to suggest to you that's very intentional. It wasn't, it wasn't by accident. Look at uh, Romans 8. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified in him. Lots in that passage, but the part I'd like to pull out this morning is this part that says, we have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic term. It means daddy. Another way we translate it in English, Papa. Right? Hey, Papa. Right? Dad. Hey, Daddy. Papa. Right? A kid uses that terminology, and God wants to know that it's okay for us to use that terminology with him when we go and talk to him. The other point is that when God did that, when he chose that, he used this other term in here that I think is really important. It says, because 
Uh, we cry, Abba, Father. Why? Because of the spirit of adoption. I have mentioned many times, and I, I want to underline it, and uh, I'll say it as long as I'm up here. Adoptions by nature are always intentional. Therefore, when it says we are adopted in Christ, it, does, it is it, very intentional. God went out of his way to find you. Adoptions are not easy. Adoptions don't just happen. They take a lot of time. They take a lot of money. They take a lot of effort. There's a lot of ups. There's a lot of downs. Uh, just ask Peter and Christabon, right? It didn't just happen. They had enormous effort to make that adoption. And Sammy was sitting in the service, last service. And I said, so Sammy, they love you because they intentionally went after you. And I went like this and he bumped back with me, right? Because he knows that. He knows they went way out of their way to find him. That's the picture of how God went way out of his way to find us. And so we say, Papa, a dad who wants us. Guys, that's important. A dad who wants us. A dad, uh, not only are we made in the image of God, but the role of father is made in the image of God. Now, is that what you see on TV today? Right? Not so much, right? Um, When you watch TV or, or movies, what we see on TV is dads as idiots. Right? Dads as bungling fools. Dads as clueless. You watch the TV shows, the dads have no clue what to do. And what do they do? They go to the children and say, children, what should I do? And they say, oh, dad. And the children are the repositories of wisdom and knowledge. Is that how it works in real life? No. What does a dad do? A dad says, well, hey, have you, can we sit down for a second? Have you thought about how that will play out? You know, the, the run you're making here? Well, what do you mean? Well, have you thought about this and this and this? No, right? You get that look. And you say, well, you might want to think about that because when you splat against that wall, it's going to really hurt. Okay, right? It's the dads who dispense the wisdom, but that's not what you see on TV. TV, it's, it's twisting the image. What you see is dads as, um, if not idiots, dad as absent, dads as goofballs, or even worse, dads as a problem. You know, the, the, the reigning picture on TV right now, if you look at it, is you don't need any dads at all. They're in the way. They create more problems than they're worth. Dads are not necessary. Dads aren't needed. Society is every bit as able to get along without dads, and actually, we don't need dads. And I want to suggest to you that is exactly opposite of the Word of God. No wonder we as fathers are struggling with our self-esteem. Every time we look on the TV, we look awful. Right? You can watch that only so long before you start believing it and you start realizing, uh, like several dads said today, thanks so much for the message because I get pounded every time I turn around. And it's hard to believe that my role is significant. I don't even get credit with my own kids. Well, here, I, get, I have a piece of advice for you, all right? So this isn't Steve, senior pastor talking. This is Steve, youth pastor talking, right? It will get better. If you have kids from 12 to 17, you are going to be an idiot, right? Once they get from 17 to 23, they'll go, you know, they were kind of helpful during college. Okay. Once they get above 23, they will come back and say, hey, Dad, what? how did you... And all of a sudden, you're going to look really wise and really smart. All you got to do is hang in there, right? And it will all turn around. Trust me on that. So when we're looking at this, the idea of no debt at all is totally contrary. 
Dads, you are incredibly important. Now, again, I can't fix all that this morning. But I just want to say that is not God's perspective. That's why, guys, we should be in the Word of God because we get a right perspective of how God feels about dads. And that picture that you find out when you look through Scripture, God likes dads. They're all over the place in Scripture. And he points them out. And he says how noble they were, what they did, or what they accomplished. And it, it, it just jumps out at you. You know, think about this. One of the most powerful themes that runs through the Gospels. Just think of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One of the most powerful themes that runs through the Gospels and that we seldom talk about. It's so basic, we kind of forget it. But it's one of the really strong points that Jesus was trying to model that, and we intuitively pick it up. But it's this. Jesus liked his dad. Jesus loved his dad. He talked about his dad all the time. My father told me what to tell you. Uh, if you knew my dad, you wouldn't talk like that. Uh, you, sh- you know, you shouldn't respond that way because that would offend my dad. Jesus really loved his dad. Look at John fourteen thirty one. What did Jesus say? He's about to go to the cross. He says, I will no longer talk much with you for the rule of this world is coming. This is right before he goes to the cross. He has no claim on me, but I do as my father has commanded me. Why? So that the world may know that what? I love my father. It wasn't a have to for Jesus. He did what God had asked him to do. Why? Because he loved his dad. He said, Dad, do we got to do this together? Yes, son. Is this the only way to do it? Yes, son. Do you want me to do this for your dad? Yes, son. All right, dad, then I'll do it. That's really the tone of the Gospels. And we forget that. We turn it into religious, uh, theological precepts and stuff like that when really Jesus was modeling how to be a son. And God was modeling how to be a father. And they gave us a picture that we could go after ever since. He's giving us dads a great target. A a target to love our Heavenly Father like Jesus loved them. It's always been true that you become like the God you believe in. So if you think God's a power broker, you'll be a power broker. If you think God's angry, you'll be angry. If you think God's a jerk, then you'll be a jerk. But if you think God is consistent, then you'll start becoming consistent. If you think God is gentle, then you'll start being gentle. If you think God is gracious, then you'll become gracious. You become like the God you believe in. But equally important, it's also true that you become like the dad that you focus on. Many of us did not have the best dads. If you had a great godly dad, go home and hug him. If he's still around, just hug him and say, Dad, I need to tell you how awesome you are because I hear stories of other dads and you were fabulous. I just want to tell you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just let them know. But often we look at our dads and we see the faults that they have and we look at them and what does the kid say? I will never be like that. Right? And 20 years later when they grow up, what do people say about the kid? He's exactly like his father. Right? Why? Because if that's what you focus on, that's what you become. That's, that's how it works. And I look at uh, my dad and I think, you know, I can cut my dad a lot of slack now. Uh, my dad's gone now. He's been gone for three years. But I started to realize later in life, as I started to hit about 48, is when this really started 
uh, catching on with me. I started to realize I didn't really know my dad. And I also didn't understand the things he had been through. And I actually learned more about my dad through my Uncle Bob than I did uh, learning my dad because I watched the stuff my Uncle Bob went through during World War II. And I realized, hey, wait a minute. My dad was in World War II. And he was in the same kind of stuff. My Uncle Bob was on the USS South Dakota that got blown up outside of Guadalcanal. My dad was in the Mediterranean shipping Patton's troops to Italy and southern France and then taking the German prisoners back to Africa and being dive-bombed by the kamikaze pilots in the Mediterranean. And I thought, you know, there's some things there that I really don't understand. There's some things he's been through that may have shaped him in ways that I never had to go through. And I've learned in the years, I've been able to cut my dad a lot of slack in the last couple of years. Starting to go, you know what? I can see that. And what I've learned is, I'm a lot like my dad. Anybody else recognize that? Hello? Right? I walk around the house, Pam goes, okay, Arnie. Right? I look in the mirror, I look like him. I go, I walk in the mirror in the morning, go, ah! It's my dad. Freaks me out. I'm like, what happened? Right? And do you ever go, I don't want to be like him. And I started to realize, you know what? My dad is okay. My dad had some great personality, great character characteristics. Now, some of them really got applied wrong because of some of the stuff he went through. But I realized they weren't bad. It's just how they got used was bad. And so I realized I am my dad. So if I can be my dad plus the Holy Spirit, that's going to turn out really well. Right? So it's an issue of which father do I focus on? Do I focus on this way or do I focus on this way? And I've realized if I focus on this way, and that was Jesus was trying to point me to, focus on the dad above and it'll take care of the dad this way. And I went, oh, I don't have to fight being like my dad. It's okay I'm like Arnie. I'm proud to be Arnie's son. I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit has come in life and I'm grateful the Holy Spirit has saved me and that I can be more like my heavenly father because that's a much better Steve than if I was like my earthly father. And so this is the illustration when Jesus says, so the world may know that I love my father. You know the term father, fathers, is used 521 times in the Bible. That's a lot. Why? Because it's an incredibly important term. You know, right, when you read Scripture, God puts great weight on the fathers. He was the father of so-and-so, and and he was the father of so-and-so, and and he was the father of so-and-so. And if you're in the King James Version, and he begat him, and he begat him, and he begat, you know, God's got all these begats, right? And how those men handled that and what they did was held in high honor by God. He holds fathers in great honor, and that's why the term is used so much. In God's eyes, fatherhood is an incredibly important role. Dads, hang in there. You're doing a good job. It matters. It's a role that God fully supports. He is all in with you on that. And he asks men to step into the role. Have I said yet this morning, God likes dads? Have you heard me? Not only that, but God likes good dads. This is found in 2 Timothy Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Now, we all know that it isn't just the idea that you're a dad, but rather that we're good dads. 
honorable dads. God likes dads who are pure in heart. God likes dads who choose wisdom and gentleness. God likes dads who walk in His Spirit. God likes dads who choose the kingdom of God over the world. God honors those dads in a special way who honor Him. You may not get it from any other corner in life, but know this. God is watching, and He will honor the fathers that honor Him. If nobody else tells you you're doing a God, go to your dad. Let your dad tell you you're doing a good job. Get some encouragement from him. When's the last time you had a quiet time and you said, you know what? Here's how we usually start a quiet time. Guys, all right, I've got to have a quiet time. Why? Because I'm a dad. I have to have a quiet time because that's what godly dads do. So I open thing. All right, here's all the things I'm doing wrong and then I think all these other things. And we end up feeling crappier at the end of our quiet time than when we started. This is how we're wired as guys. When was the last time you sat down and said, hey, I'm going to have a quiet time this morning because my dad likes me? Just that. I'm going to have a quiet time this morning because my dad likes me. And my dad's going to help me and he's going to show me something this morning that helped me be a better son and it's going to help me be a better dad. It's amazing. I can go through this day. Why? Because my dad likes me. My dad is for me. That's a hard concept for a lot of us guys that our dad would actually like us. But God goes over and over to pound that into our hearts that he likes dads and he will honor the dads that honor him. When I say this, I say God loves dads. Uh, For gals, that language works really well because gals, you are relationally wired and and driven and so uh, love is the big thing. But that doesn't always work for guys so well. Guys would rather have honor. Guys would rather have honor in a home than love because we're wired for honor. We, when we hear God loves us, what we hear as guys is he has to. Right? Well, he's God. He has to love us. That's what God does. But does that do anything for us? No. But when we hear God likes us, whoa. God would pick us for his team. Right? You ever been at the grade school yard and you were the last one to get picked? Right? And you're sitting there going, boy, don't I look like an idiot. There's only two. I know I'm going to be the last one. Sure enough. Thanks for playing. You know, they didn't even want me on the team, but they had to pick me. That's kind of, as guys, the most humiliating place in the world that you can possibly be. That's not how God's looking at it. God picked us. God picked you. He likes you. And most of us go, oh, no, he doesn't. You don't know what I've done. Don't shut up. He likes you. Okay? That's what Scripture's pounding home. He picked you. He adopted you. It was intentional. He went out of his way to find you. Why does God like dads? Because he's one himself. He chose to be a dad. Think about that. He thought it was worth all the problems, all the pain, all the ups, all the downs, God wanted to be a dad, so he chose to have children. And we're his children. And therefore, when he chose to be a dad, he's going, I know what you're going through. He knows firsthand the battles and struggles that come with being a father. And he thought it was worth it. And dad, he wants to encourage you. It is worth it. He likes you. He will walk with you. He will take you there. He is not against you. Guys are not a problem to him. He likes men. And he loves dads, okay? Because 
They're stepping into his footsteps. And so today, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're going to sing a good song that bounces against this in a neat kind of way. But as they come up, I want you to think about this. What we want to say to you today is this. From God himself, not from Steve, uh, not from your family, although I hope you get it from your family, but what we want to say is, hey, happy Father's Day from your father. Happy Father's Day from your heavenly father who likes you. He's proud of you. You showed up this morning to honor him, and therefore he will honor you. It's his Father's Day too, and he likes his sons who are fathers. You know, if you're not a dad yet, that's okay. You're probably going to become one soon. Let me get out of Zach's way or he'll make me play guitar. That's a bad thing. All right? But he likes you. Dads, you are stepping into the highest role in the kingdom of heaven, and that is the being a father, like our heavenly Father Himself. Let's pray. Lord, I pray this morning that my words will be words of encouragement, and they will express your true heart to guys who are my my friends, my buddies, my posse. We walk here, Lord, and you have blessed, and but a lot of us have wounds, and a lot of us have severe self-doubts, and a lot of us, Lord, really honestly can't really find the category for the fact that you like us. Uh, Most of us as men would think that you just put up with us. And I think the devil's done such a good job of that. The culture's done such a good job of smashing your role and honor that's built into the idea of being a dad that, Lord, most of us um, dragging our tails through life. And I I just want to seek you this morning that your encouragement would come to our men this morning, that you like men and that you love dads that that's a role that you fully back. It's a role that your grace is applied to, and it's one that you cheerlead on. And may they feel your pleasure. May they feel your blessing on Father's Day. And we ask this in your name. Amen.